Well, top of the morning to you. This is our KMD recording for Tuesday, May 10th. Uh, and we've got several things going on this week that I'll we'll talk to you about. Uh, as always, wanted to start it off with the invitation for questions. Uh, any questions you might have, comments for things you'd like to see changed on this report or included or <laughs> deleted, uh, by all means, uh, shoot any of those to us. So you see our email addresses on this slide and certainly you're welcome to pick up the phone uh, and give us a call as well. So let's kind of get into it this week. We've got a, a, a week with a couple things going on. We've got our WASD coming out on Thursday. Uh, as some of you may recall, the reason that the May WASD is one of our uh, one of our more important WASDs is that we will get the first glimpse from the USDA, really outside of the numbers that they gave us at their Outlook conference in February. But we'll get their first glimpse of their balance sheets, their supply demand balance sheets for this uh, crop that we're getting ready and trying to plant uh, as we speak, the 22-23 crop. So that's always important. Really haven't seen any average trade estimates uh, uh, out yet, so we don't know exactly what the trade is looking for, but uh, uh, I think probably all eyes might be on wheat to see what the uh, USDA does with that hard red winter wheat crop and the uh, estimates for that, that crop is not looking good. Which brings me to the top bullet here. Um, we've got some warmer, drier weather in the forecast. Uh, finally, if you will, for uh, the, the the spring crops we're trying to plant. That's good for planting. Uh, might help us kind of get caught up here just a little bit because we're falling further behind, as I'll show you. But it's not good for the wheat crop, and that really is very reflective in what we saw in pricing last week. Uh, wheat prices were up pretty substantially last week. Uh, there's a couple items that Scott will talk to you here about in a second. Uh, the weather probably at the top of that list with the hard red winter wheat crop. Uh, that caused wheat prices to go up. Pretty much everything else was lower uh, because of the same forecast, uh, the same forecast that is uh, uh, not probably going to help a already what looks to be badly damaged hard red winter wheat crop is uh, certainly going to help farmers here in the Midwest uh, get our corn and beans uh, and maybe our spring wheat crop planted in, in a little bit more of a timely fashion. So that's what we've got to talk to you about here today. Uh, before I get to that, we did have a Malaysian palm oil uh, production and stocks reports uh, out for April. Uh, that came out just really today. I was trying to get this uh, slide together uh, before we went to press this morning. Um, pretty much saw what we thought we were going to see here. Uh, production is starting to climb. That This happens seasonally this time of the year. If you remember, uh, palm trees produce larger amounts of fruit. Uh, in the spring and summer months than they do in, the, in the, the winter months. And in the fall, they'll start to slide down into that lower production area. So not, not surprisingly, our April production was the highest that we've seen since uh, last November uh, as we the trees went into dormancy. Stocks rose a, a pretty whopping 11.5%, a little bit higher than the trade was looking for, but nothing significant. Exports were down significantly in April. Uh, probably a sign of some de demand destruction from these incredibly high prices, but probably a bigger reason for that would be the China lockdowns. But really, this report was almost looked at as old news because of that last bullet you see there. Um, we've still got this Indonesian export ban. Indonesia is just back yesterday from a week-long holiday. Uh, really no changes to report when we went to press here with these slides, but uh, the market is waiting for some sort of resolution to this. But if we don't get a resolution pretty quickly, uh, we will probably see Malaysian exports jump back up pretty significantly this month. So again, the Indonesian thing is the, the primary market indicator here for uh, what's going on in the palm oil markets. 
uh, and this stocks report, production and stocks report is really taken uh, second fiddle to, to what the outcome of that will be. Get into, into planting progress here. This is your corn planting progress slide. I showed you this slide last week and you can see that we're getting uh, even further behind. Uh, at the end of this first week of May, is when we ought to be hitting the 50% planted mark on corn. Nationally, we are only 22% planted, less than halfway. And you can see here from this slide, the red states again, like I told you last week, are the states that are behind their five-year average planting. The green states are ahead of their five-year average, and the number is the percentage points behind. And you can see that uh, Illinois and Iowa, the two biggest producing states for corn, are 49% and 43% behind their five-year average for planting. Not good, uh, not good. Hopefully this weather forecast is gonna allow us to make hay here and make hay pretty quickly here as things warm up uh, and they dry out as I'll show you. One of the things to keep in mind though, is we can put a crop in the ground in a, in a pretty big hurry. I think the record amount of corn ever planted nationally in a single week is 43%. Now I'm not suggesting that that's where we'll get what we'll get done next week. Uh, but we can get a crop in the ground in uh, a pretty quick order here if the, if the uh, weather clears for us. Soybean planting again, this is not, this is kind of a secondary issue at this point. Uh, they should be able to catch up with corn plant or bean planting once they get the corn done. We've got 12% of our bean crop in nationally. That's half uh, of the five-year average. But again, we've got a lot more time to get our soybeans crop, uh, our soybean crops actually in the ground here. And with that, I think I'll kick it over to Scott. He can talk about winter wheat conditions, spring wheat planting, and anything else going on in that part of the complex. Yeah, well, uh, first of all, I think with, with wheat, it was um, uh, a bit odd that wheat was the only thing up last week. Uh, we had our futures uh, up. And up pretty handily, too, wasn't it? Absolutely. I mean, we were up uh, over 5% in Chicago and Kansas City, almost 6% in Kansas City. Um, and we we went up uh, and had our first back-to-back -back up days in futures in three weeks. You know, we were kind of in a nice little trend there. We had bottomed out um, about a week ago. I guess it was either last Monday or, or, or Tuesday that we bottomed out. But then we, we turned around mainly on um, the, the first thing that got things cranked up was uh, rumors from India. And those rumors were that, oh my gosh, we've got uh, uh, drought. And, and we've told you about how bad that drought is. But um, the Indian government came out with their official estimate of how big their wheat crop was uh, and, and uh, pegged it at uh, 105. Now, that's still a very, very nice crop for them. Uh, that would have been a record not all that long ago, but that would end, pretty dramatically end their streak of five record crops in a row. And you have to remember that this past year they did 111 million tons. Um, so that would be a, a pretty sizable decline uh, from what they have been doing. But the bigger piece was that there were rumors that, uh, oh, they're gonna cut their uh, wheat exports. You've heard me talk about how much help uh, they have been in the export market, exporting wheat, certainly on that side of the globe. Uh, and uh, uh, you know, for a country that 10 years ago 
barely ever exported anything all of a sudden was exporting as much as uh, uh, seven or eight or nine, maybe even 10 million tons. Uh, it was a big deal. Um, but then by Wednesday or so, uh, the Indian government came out and said, wait a minute, we never said that. There will be no move to curb our exports. Um, and and uh, uh, they, they tried to stop the fire, but it was already burning, I guess, uh, is another way you could put it. The other thing I, I think internationally is that we continue to try to figure out how big this Ukrainian crop is, how things are looking in the Black Sea. Um, you know, conditions over there are really pretty good. We've heard that uh, Russia uh, is expecting, or at least some are expecting, a, a record crop in Russia. Um, but we got this report last week. There's a um, an outfit called the National Academy of Agrarian Sciences, and they were forecasting this year's wheat crop in Ukraine uh, to be 32 million tons, which was unheard of. We'd like to know what they're smoking because uh, we might want to try some. Um, but the, 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 the point is that the, uh, uh, the, the, the conditions have been quite good in that part of the world. The, the big question is really how much are they going to be able to uh, harvest of this really pretty good crop? And, and will any of that uh, then get to the uh, open market or to the world market? So, um, yeah, that seems unusually high. What did they, uh, uh, Ukraine only produced 33 million last year, didn't they? Right. So that they did would only 33 be a teeny tiny year. little decline. Uh, but we're still expecting them. They did 33, they exported 20. Um, Bill and others are still thinking that they're only going to get, you know, somewhere in the 50 to 60 percent of that harvested and only about 50 percent uh, of their exports last year. So we're still looking at, you know, eight to maybe 12 million tons of exports. What's that doing to the world market? Um, at the end of the week last week, it was interesting. Our U.S. hard wheat at the Gulf is still way, way up there. It's still the most expensive stuff in the world. Our markets have done a fantastic job of rationing that um, uh, demand. Um, but it's interesting to note that our soft red winter wheat at the Gulf is now on par with Argentina. So perhaps we might be finding uh, some homes for some of our soft wheat out of the Gulf. We're still um, maybe a little bit high compared to uh, French values. In fact, a lot high, I guess, um, and over 50 bucks high. Um, and the Russia is still trading well below uh, everybody else in the world, uh, but they kind of get to pick and choose who they're trading to these days, too. Um, back to what Dave was saying, when, when you talk about the winter wheat conditions, and, and that's the slide that he's on. Uh, oh, no, he's on spring wheat right Did now. Did you want me to back up? Yeah, let's back up real quick. On the, the winter wheat, um, I, I think that's the bigger driver. Back up one more, if you would. Oh. The conditions are, I mean, they're really uh, the, the, about the worst that we've seen probably in 25 years. Um, you can see that that picture in the upper right-hand corner. I thought that was a good one. Guy's trying to make a joke that he's got a bumper crop, but that's how bad it is in Kismet, Kansas. That's kind of south, central, southwest. Not good, but... Uh, winter wheat conditions did improve a little bit from that rain that we had over the last, you know, uh, seven to 10 days or so. Oklahoma was up 
three. Kansas was up three. Nebraska was up eight. Um, South Dakota was up five. Um, and, and I won't even get into the soft wheat, wheat states because they're really pretty good. The problem is going to be with the forecast. We'll get to in a second. When you look now at the spring wheat progress, again, this is kind of goes along with the, the, the point of corn. Uh, it has been um, so wet and so difficult for them to get in the fields up there. We've got the slowest planting progress in 11 years. Uh, go forward to that slide, Dave, on, or, or Nate, who is ever driving. There you go. I'm driving. Uh, slowest progress in 11 years. Um, not what I would say is uh, we're not at, at time to panic, but but it's you know kind of like corn. We're we're well behind uh, where we ought to be at this time of the year. Um, we don't have the best looking forecast to get this caught up. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. We have a North Dakota farmer uh, that works here at Moving Parts and uh, was doing the math on his prevent plant payments uh, yesterday, uh, we are told. So don't know if we're quite to that spot yet. But yeah, that uh, that barley picture was interesting. You should not be able to see dirt. Uh, if you can see dirt uh, below the, the wheat plants this time of the year, that's uh, that's really not good. So. All right, uh, moving forward here, we did see a little bit of uh, spec liquidation last week. Uh, spec is still holding some hefty positions there, but you can see they trimmed them uh, a bit last week. Uh, been a lot of volatility in the soybean oil market by the spec, soybean oil and soybean meal. Um, well, I guess you could see there's spec sold 20,000 contracts of beans last week as well. So a lot of interest uh, in the spec community. And as you've heard me say many times before uh, here in recent weeks, and I guess turning into recent months, uh, the spec continues to be, uh, the commodity casino is open uh, and business continues to be quite brisk. So uh, it'll be interesting have, to uh, see uh, what kind of changes we get on wheat this coming week. Yeah, it looks like the spec was probably back in uh, in a pretty good sized way last week, doesn't it, Scott? Yep. Here's your soil temperatures. This will probably be the last week uh, that we include this slide. Uh, the message, I, I delivered it last week and I'll say it again. Uh, this is no longer a soil temperature issue. This is a too wet to plant issue. And you can see the last seven days worth of rainfall that we've gotten on this map. And you got to remember that the color variance, for whatever reason, the National Weather Service has different color gradients on the seven day past seven days map as they do on the forecast map. So you got to make sure you look at the gradient over here. But all that green and yellow that you see, uh, the green is typically a half inch to two inches of rain. Uh, the yellows and oranges and reds are even larger amounts, as you can see. And really, most of the Midwest got a decent amount of rain last week. A uh, little bit of drying in, in part of the northern plains up here. The western half seems to be a little bit drier, if I can get my cursor going. Uh, this is maybe a little bit of good news. That's probably where we did get some spring wheat and other crops up in that part of the world uh, planted. When we look at the seven-day forecast, got a little bit more rain than we'd like in the northern plains but you can see the gradient on this map green on this map is not a half inch to two inches of rain green on the seven day forecast map is generally less than a half inch of rain it's it's a tenth or two up to maybe a quarter of an inch or just under a half an inch and so you can see we, we were, were dried out a good bit we didn't get nearly the rain that was forecast they started taking a lot of this rain out of the forecast kind of Wednesday, Thursday uh, uh, last week, they continue to take more rain out uh, as we got deeper into the weekend. Uh, and so a much better seven day forecast and really a 
pretty nice planting forecast in the six to 10 and the eight to 14 day. You can see the precip slides here on the uh, right hand side. Um, that is really good news for planting corn and planting beans. That is really bad news here uh, out here in this hard red winter wheat area out here that you can see the much below normal precip. That's basically not much rain chances at all. Really, if I back up and show you the seven day, a um, little bit of uh, some light rain chances in the seven day and then really no chance uh, out into the second week. This is uh, not good news for that hard red winter wheat crop uh, that, that is already not doing all that well. Canada, kind of like the U.S., it's a tale of east versus west. Uh, in the east, they're fighting too much rain. Uh, this would be um, Manitoba here. Uh, this is the planting areas down here, and it's, they're way too wet to get planted down here, just like the northern plains have been. This is Saskatchewan, the largest uh, uh, canola, I believe, and wheat producing uh, state in the Canadian prairies. They're kind of wet in the east, and they're, the further west you go, they get dry. And then you get out here into Alberta. The Peace River area up here is in, in really, they got way too much moisture up there. You get down here in southern, uh, down south of Calgary and southern Alberta, uh, and they are also very dry. So very similar weather, weather, weather pattern to what we're dealing with here uh, in the U.S. And then I guess more of the same, didn't see any additional forecast declines, uh, uh, but we have clearly got the rainy season is uh, in the rear view now in South America. And it's, a, I think at this point, it's simply going to be a matter of, of just how much we're going to nick uh, this safrina corn crop in Brazil. So, but no real changes there in the forecast, or I mean, really in the weather forecast or in the production forecast. So. With that, I think I'll throw it back to Scott. He can give us uh, the latest and greatest uh, update in the dairy markets. You there, Scotty? Sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I had my microphone muted. Um, yeah, the, the big thing I think on, on dairy this this week is is even though we didn't see much in the way of, of price movement, uh, we did get our our, our cheese yesterday to poke its head down below 230 uh, and butter is you know kind of threatening to maybe go into the 250 range uh, just yesterday um, it was uh, you know a couple of things that that you might have thought would would uh, uh, help us out the first thing being the global dairy trade that actually came out last Tuesday um, and uh, uh, it, it uh, the total index was down eight and a half percent. But it's interesting when you look at cheese and butter themselves. Cheese was down eight point six percent. Butter was down a whopping twelve and a half percent. And so now all of a sudden you've got those uh, global dairy trade prices that are really getting a good bit closer uh, to what our prices are. And then when you look at the international prices. I mean, that uh, uh, Germany uh, Edom number that we try to kind of equate to U.S. cheddar um, is, you know, it's, it's inside a dime away from where we're at right now. And uh, uh, international prices on butter are still up in the $3 range, but they are coming lower and they have been coming lower the um, uh, last couple of weeks. Um, that's, the, that's the first significant dump we've seen in global dairy trade prices in, in a while. And I, yeah. I think since export's been one of the drivers, I mean, there's certainly others in the dairy space, but that's been yeah, one of the drivers that that's probably what's helping us on price. Don't you think? Sure. Sure. 
Um, you can see those. Uh, I've got March exports in there, and just uh, we I didn't call them out any bigger than just making a bullet. But March exports for cheese set an all-time record. We did uh, almost 92 million pounds of cheese exports in March. Um, that was up 13% year over year. That's a lot of cheese going out the door. And uh, on the butter side, uh, uh, kind of right behind it, you know, not nearly as big in volume, 13 and a half million pounds, but that was 47% higher year over year. So our we, we continue to hit uh, decent demand in uh, the dairy products across all three, you know, uh, uh, retail, food service, as well as uh, exports. Um, and then that brings us to the next piece of information was the uh, uh, March dairy products that came out. Um, and again, that's that's a little bit of a of a um, delayed um, report, but uh, you can see there that um, didn't really move the needle a heck of a lot on cheese, kind of neutral. You, you had positive gains in both uh, the year over year and the month over month column. But uh, normally you're you're uh, again, you're 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 making more cheese. Amy was wondering if if we were going to see this, uh, we thought that the uh, the demand was strong and it still is. Uh, as and we saw that come out of the cold storage uh, a week ago, but this week um, uh, we didn't quite see the the production that we would have liked to see in March. Uh, we were only up 91 million pounds month over month when normally we're we're way over a hundred. Um, butter side of things was a little bit more bearish. We we got a a nice jump year over year, um, but we almost doubled up what we would do month over month uh, with 19 million pounds of production. So uh, a nice jump up there on the butter side of things. So maybe- Scott, is it still labor that seems to be the bigger issue here with especially cheese production not climbing like we had hoped? Yeah, that's always been a big thing and, and continues to be. I, I kind of quit writing it down in the bullets because it seems like it's every single week um, you know, they're, they're kind of whining about uh, uh, not only just labor, but also uh, the same thing that, that's, that's hitting everybody, the supply chain issues, the, the shipping issues, get, finding trucks, all of the logistics side of things as well. All right. Well, that uh, finish it up on dairy then? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Well, that is our story this week. And as always, we are sticking to it. Uh, again, I'll reiterate what I said at the beginning. Any questions, comments that you may have, please uh, feel free to contact us. You see the contact information here on the front slide or on the back slide. Uh, and as always, and especially in these crazy times in the commodity business, be careful out there.